0: Hi, and welcome to Crypto Chats, a podcast that explores cryptids, alien encounters, and ghost stories. This episode was previously recorded for a different type of media, so please ignore all mentions of videos and specific photos. Um, Links to all the photos that are mentioned in this video are in the description. Welcome to another episode of Crypto Chats um, in honor of the month of October. I want to talk to you guys about another um, half cryptid, half urban legend type creature. Um, I know last week I talked about uh, Chupacabras, um, which is another, I mean, if you watch the video, you know I'm incredibly unsure about how I feel um, when it comes down to determining what exactly they are. Um, and I think I feel the same way about, about this um topic of discussion as well. Um, So today we're gonna talk about melonheads. If you're not familiar with melonheads, they are these tiny humanoid creatures with big bulbous heads um, that eat people. Um, And before we go too far into talking about them, um, I wanna get this part out of the way. Um, So there is a medical condition called uh, hydrocephalus. Um, which is what a lot of the melon heads have been kind of diagnosed with. Um, that's what a lot of people have determined is the reason why, um, you know, they receive the name melon heads and why they look the way they do. Um, and, you know, before we go super far, like, you know, it's a very pretty rare, but pretty serious like condition. It basically makes your brain fill with water, um, or like liquid Um, and kind of bumps out your brain, Um, so just keep that in mind. It's kind of spooky. There's not, like, there's only, I think, fewer than 200,000 cases in the United States every year. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit off topic, but that's a very serious thing, and it's very scary, and I'm going to talk about it because it relates, Um, but, you know, just want to throw that part out there before we go too far into this. So, the Melonhead's legend started in 1949 um, in the United States, and it's still ongoing today, Uh, that's one of the the aspects of the urban legend part of it, is that it's still ongoing despite, you know, lack of sightings, like, lack of reported sightings, I'll say. and, you know, new information about them. That's, like, definitely more of the urban legend aspect of it. Um, but from 1949, a um, couple states across um, the United States have been experiencing um, these weird encounters with these small humanoid creatures. So we have Michigan, Ohio, Connecticut, just to name a few. Um, those are some of the biggest uh, states that have these issues with these... Well, I, I don't know to say issues, because I don't know that they're really... Going out of their way to wreak havoc. We'll get there anyway. Um, so again, I'll do the tell you the description again. They're tiny humanoid, like almost look like children, um, childlike sized humanoid creatures with big bulbous heads um, that are cannibalistic in nature um, and will attack humans um, when provoked. I suppose um, we'll get to that part, but. Yeah, so keep that in your mind. Here's a picture of them. Um, they're they look like something straight out of an alien movie, um, but again, it's an actual actual serious uh, medical condition. So keep that in your brains. All right. So first, we're gonna talk about um, the specific legend of where the melon heads came from in Michigan. Um, so this one is like I said, in Michigan, it's really kooky crazy, but I like it. Um, so basically the Melonheads were said to have resided around a place called Felt Mansion, um, in Michigan. Um, at one point, part of the legend says that these, these were children who were in, um, uh, an asylum that was near Felt Mansion. Um, who eventually broke out of this asylum because they had become feral and were just, you know, they ran to the woods and, like, got out of there. Um, It was called Junction Insane Asylum, Uh, but what's interesting to me is that the historical society of this area of Michigan has no record of an insane asylum existing there. Um, That's not to say that it didn't exist, uh, because we all know how kooky-crazy their early years of the United States were, but anyway, they do have a prison on record there though, which I mean, I, I don't know, similar conditions. I don't know. What was, what was it like in the fifties? I'm not sure. I wasn't alive. Um, anyway, so the Melonheads, you know, were supposedly released or broke out, um, something they were either let go or they left. It's not really super clear, but they got out anyway and were feral and fled to the woods to go and live there instead. Um, it's said that they reside in the caverns that are around Felt Mansion. Um, if you watch any of, if you've watched any of my previous videos, you know that I love the idea of a cave dwelling creature in general, uh, especially the little humanoid ones. I love it. Uh, it's creepy and weird, and I really am into it. Um, so. The melonheads are living in the caves, and that's a good place for them. Um, Part of that legend from Michigan does also say that eventually um, these children, who these these kids had hydrocephalus, um, and that's, I guess, the reason they were in the insane asylum. I don't know um, if that disease was, like, confirmed a disease then, and they maybe were just like, oh, you have weird heads, like, we don't know what to do with you. We're going to put you in here. I don't know. I'm not sure. But anyway, these kids did have hydrocephalus, which is why their heads look the way they did. Um, and after becoming feral, they were released, blah, blah, blah. We already went over that. So the legend states that shortly after fleeing this area and taking up residence in these caverns, um, these children um, and these melon heads went back to the asylum and murdered the doctor that was abusing them. Um, So that's part of the legend here is like part of the reason these kids ended up becoming feral is that they were being abused, which that makes sense to me. I watch a lot of episodes of Criminal Minds. I've seen what happens. I don't know if that's real life, but It is what it is. Um, So another interesting part about the legend about um, the children killing the doctor that was uh, abusing them is that they supposedly killed him in Felt Mansion. Um, I don't know why he would have been there. I don't know if that's maybe where he lived. I'm not really sure. Anyway, you know, they supposedly killed him in Felt Mansion and then dismembered him and hid his body parts on the walls, which is, I mean... Yeah, I guess. Um, but so now, like, nowadays people will go to Felt Mansion and report, like, seeing apparitions of this doctor and, like, weird ghosts of small kids running around. Um, so it's, like, supposedly pretty haunted from this happening with the melon heads um, from, you know, the starting point of this legend, which is cool to me because I, I love that stuff. Um, And to see, like, you know, an urban legend slash cryptid also turn into a paranormal happening is, like, it's everything I dream of. Um, So the next legend that I'm going to talk to you guys about is the one from Ohio. Because this one is, they're all very similar, but this one is a little different. It has its own little um, aspects that are specific to this Ohio legend. um, And it's really cool and I like it. So we're going to talk about that one. Um, So in this Ohio legend of the Melonheads and the start for for how they came to be. Um, Slightly different circumstances, we have a bunch of children who don't have hydrocephalus, that's a a very important part, they don't have hydrocephalus at the beginning, Um, were orphaned and living at this orphanage, um, being cared for by a mysterious figure named Dr. Crow, um, who was also sometimes referred to in legend as Dr. Melonhead. Um, and Dr. Crow was doing experiments on these children. He was, you know, really abusive, um, you know, not great to these poor orphaned children, um, and was running experiments on them um, to try to... I don't know. I don't know what his end game was, honestly. But he was running experiments on these kids, um, which kind of gave, he actually ended up giving them hydrocephalus by continuously injecting liquid into their brains. Um, so they turned into these, you know, strange looking children with huge hairless heads. Um, which is sad. That's like, that's pretty upsetting to me. I mean, they weren't fed supposedly. So they were really malnourished looking. So they had really skinny bodies and really big heads. Um, But yeah, so it's, you know, they didn't have hydrocephalus before they met this mysterious doctor. Um, And he gave them hydrocephalus and then let them loose. Um, Well, no, he didn't let them loose because in this legend, they actually kill him and then burn down the orphanage and flee into the woods um, where they're said to eat babies. So, yeah, I don't know. I do kind of like... The aspect of all of these uh, Melonheads being just straight up cannibals, I don't really know why I like it so much because I promise I have never eaten human meat, I don't eat meat at all, I would never eat human meat, I feel like I have to say that because I feel like me being interested in them being cannibals like seems like I'm a cannibal, but I'm not, I promise. Um, I just think it's like I'm trying to like I picture it in my head and I'm, they to me like melon heads definitely look like aliens they look like the Hollywood portrayal of aliens which I know they're not I know they're just children with hydrocephalus which is fine but I mean that's not it's exaggerated right because it's a it's an urban legend it's a weird cryptid so it is exaggerated to the fullest extent um so like you know in most cases, especially in modern day America, um, we would see a child with hydrocephalus and their head would not be the size of a watermelon. Um, it might be a little large, but, like, not as exaggerated as the Melonhead's legend leads you to believe. You know? Does that make sense? Um, I don't know, I just, I think it's, like, I'm picturing it, and, like, if you were just walking down the road one day, um, and you, like, whoops, you walked into Melonhead territory and then like a whole gaggle of like small children with massive heads came at you and just started like eating your limbs. I think this is why there are so many horror movies based on the Melonheads because they're kind of (laughs) scary. And the fact that they eat people is scary. It's interesting and weird, but also scary. Anyway. So good for them. They killed that guy who gave them hydrocephalus and then continued to live their lives in the woods and eat babies. A hearty meal of babies. Alright, so now we're going to talk about Connecticut's version of this Melonhead legend. Connecticut actually has two different explanations. There are like two different legends that kind of made their way into one and it's like not necessarily two different legends but like two different starting points. Like two different explanations for this legend um the first one is like super similar to the rest of them like that's the common theme here with these melon heads and how they came to be they were children with this disease who were either in an asylum or an orphanage and were treated badly and they fled Um, that's like the the most common um, I don't know, retelling of this story. Cause like, keep in mind too, that there are also, uh, Legends of the Melonhead in other States in the United States. It's not just Michigan, Ohio, and Connecticut. Um, there are others. I just, these are the three biggest ones. So wanted to cover those. Um, but you know, I know that there's talk of them in North Carolina as well. Um, it's just interesting because that's the common thread of like, you know, the, the origin story for these creatures is pretty much all the same. Um, so for the first explanation of them in Connecticut, it's that Fairfield County had an, um, an asylum that burned down in 1960. Um, everybody in this building died, except for <laughs> 10 to 20 patients. They weren't sure how many specifically got out there were just 10 to 20 patients that were unaccounted for um and that you know their bodies weren't found in this fire but like everybody from like patients to staff to doctors like everyone else died in this fire um these 10 to 20 children patients I don't want to say children because I don't know for sure they were children these 10 to 20 patients fled to the woods um and escaped the fire and turned to cannibalism and that's how they got hydrocephalus which I don't think that's how that works I could definitely be wrong uh but I don't necessarily think I didn't do that much research on hydrocephalus I'm not gonna lie to you but I don't think you can get it from just eating people I don't really know I'll look into it later and maybe I'll leave a comment for myself for you guys I don't know but that was how they ended up where they were as they fled to the woods after you know surviving this fire, and I don't know, eight people. Um, the second legend of how the melonhead came to be in Connecticut is interesting to me because I it's so different from the other ones that it it's like, I don't know, I just think it's wicked cool. So the second one is that the Melonheads were actually descendants of a colonial era family, um, the Shelton Trumbull family uh and this family in, you know colonial times were accused of witchcraft um and they were forced into the wilderness and as a, a factor of inbreeding and cannibalism over the years since they were you know shunned from the community for being witch- supposed witches um they just turned into melon heads over all these years, Um, which I think that one's kind of interesting. Like, I think it's, like, obviously the other legends are cool too, but I think this one's, like, wicked cool, because I just, I don't know, I like witches. I like, you know, I'm from New Hampshire, I'm from New England, we have a lot of really strong feelings about witches and, this you know, Salem, Massachusetts and its witch trials, so... I just like it okay um yeah so that like part of the thing with them too is that like and this is like I think the thing that keeps it alive today is that like they're like ready and willing to attack anybody who trespasses like on what they perceive to be their land which is fair because I think I mean I know that if I was a cannibalistic um small humanoid creature with a giant head living in the woods I would probably attack somebody for trespassing on my little slice of paradise Um, But, so that's, like, I think what fuels this legend, is that people are afraid they're going to be eaten. Which is fair. That's, like, (laughs) makes sense. I'm afraid. I don't want to be eaten by a person. Um, But it's cool, too, because there's also um, a bunch of roads in Connecticut and different counties that are referred to as Dracula Drive. And they're supposedly like the the home point for all of these melonheads. And like Dracula Drive as like an actual named street doesn't exist, but there's like, I think the list had like 10 different streets in Connecticut that are all referred to as Dracula Drive, just because, you know, they're supposedly home to melonheads. heads. Um, as far as sightings go, like, the 1950s, like, had a whole, like, 10-year span where people were just constantly being like, oh, I saw this thing, I saw these weird glowing eyes, I saw this melon head, it was over there, and it was over here. But that's, like, as far as it goes. And that's one of the other aspects of it being an urban legend rather than a cryptid. Um, I, this is, like I said in the beginning, this is another one that I don't really know where I stand, on it. I'm not like fully convinced either way. Um, kind of again, like the chupacabra, I'm not, you know, like a lot of chupacabras were said to be a hoax. And then I feel like a lot of this like melonhead stuff is, you know, just people being rude to children with diseases. They don't understand. Um, so I don't really know I don't know how I feel. There are, like, there's such a huge lack of, like, reported sightings, which, like, I talk about this a lot. There's, a, you know, a lot of people, like, see things, but don't want to talk about it in fear of, like, being, you know, made the butt of the joke. Um, which I understand. I can get that. And I think this might be one of those things where people, like, don't, like, it's a common thing that people in these areas all talk about with each other like oh yeah i saw a melon head like 20 minutes ago walking down the street but it's not really necessary to like report it you know what i mean if any of you watched hellier um i know my very first video was about kentucky goblins um and it was you know mostly brought on because i had been watching hellier um there's You know, they go down to Kentucky and they are talking to all of these people who live in this area where all of this weird stuff is supposedly happening. And they say, hey, so you see anything weird lately? And all these people are like, oh, well, no, not really. And then they start talking, you know, like they're chatting along and they're like, oh, well, actually one time there was like an eight foot... Uh, UFO that just, like, blocked half of the town and, like, oh, yeah, these little goblins that run around the mines all the time and, like, attack our kids and our dogs and stuff. It's, like, you know, like, sometimes, like, things like that aren't, don't register as, like, a, I don't know, something that's a necessity to report because it's such a, like, common occurrence. You know what I mean? So, Anyway, that's, like, kind of really all I have for you guys. The melonheads are one of those things that, like, I think will probably live forever because they're so spooky, Um, which is not to say that people with hydrocephalus are spooky because they are not, but the legend built up around the melonheads is what makes them that way. Um, Yeah, I mean, weird stuff. Weird stuff happening all around. Um, So with that, I will say goodbye to you all. Um, and yeah, so hope to see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Bye.